welcome to the Racing Next podcast. I am your host, Trevor, and today we are starting something new. So every week from now on with the Racing Next podcast, and actually more like every day, we're going to be having a new series here called the Everyday Handicapper, where I go over races from the three best tracks running that day in America. Now, for today, we will be handicapping the racing for Friday, October the 9th from the three tracks that I consider to be the best of the day. Other people might have different opinions, but I'm going to give you mine. Um, We are looking at Belmont Park, Keeneland, and Santa Anita for that Friday, and I guess that's about it, so let's hop right into it. So, for Belmont Park on Friday, I looked through the early part of the card, and I honestly was not that impressed. Um, I would give, if I was giving advice out to somebody, I would tell them to look at the late pick four. I mean, in the middle of the card, there is a decent maiden special race that has some type of promise, but it only has six horses in it, and it has a first-time starter for Todd Pletcher and Shadwell that's at six to five. I think that's a little short on that horse, but if you want to take that short-priced money on that horse, then be my guest. But what I'm going to be focusing on, at least in this episode, is the late pick four from Belmont Park on Friday. And the first leg of that would be the seventh race, which is a state-bred allowance race going a mile on the 16th on the Widener Turf Course. And in here, I went with the number one, four, eleven, and twelve. And let's get into it here, and I'll tell you why. The number one horse in here is taking the blinkers off today for Michael Stedham, and Michael Stedham gets rid of Jose Lasconzo, who has been riding the horse for the last three times, and now picks up Johnny V, which I think is a humongous plus. And other than that, I think that the change of equipment and the rider change and the step back out what he's been running here the last uh, really all four times to a mile on the 16th should really favor him I think he has every right to run a really really great race then I'm not even gonna entertain the thought of the number two horse he can't beat 40 40 thousand dollar claimers going this distance at Saratoga I doubt he's gonna be allowance horses but granted that that was an open 40 thousand dollar claimer and these are state breads but I feel like he's going to fall short just a little bit. And same thing goes for the number three, Freedom and Whiskey. I just feel like he's going to be a bit short in here. He is truly a New York bred by Courageous Cat. And I don't know. I mean, last time he was against Open Company and he, they just plum crushed him. And before that, they had to drop him in for a state bred Maiden 40 tag at Saratoga to break his Maiden. And he barely got there that day. I just don't think he's good enough. Um, The second horse I used in here was the number four horse, Good Old Boy. Now, Good Old Boy is has Irad on him for Mike Maker, and he is, to be fair, he is a fair bit cheap. I mean, three starts back, he was running in 10,000 R claimers at Gulfstream Park, but that was at least against Open Company. And in the last two here, he won a state-bred 25 claimer over Saratoga, and last time, he actually didn't run that bad against State Bread Allowance, uh, Allowance Company, which is what they're, it's basically the same condition today. I mean, I don't think he's going to run bad. I like seeing Irad stick with him. 
he has every right to be right there, but I don't know. He might fall just a tiny bit short here, but I still think you have to use him, at least in the pick four. Moving on, um, the number five horse. The number five horse I have a couple of problems with. Mainly my problem is I feel like I feel like he's better at places like Laurel Park and Pimlico than he is in New York. Even though he is a New York bred. I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, but it is true. And not only that, but I also feel like maybe a mile and sixteenth is getting a bit too a, a bit too far for him. Even though he is by Courageous Cat out of a Chester House mare and has every right to get that far, get that distance, I feel like he's better with sprinting and having a pace set up in front of him instead of going further and not ha- and having more time to close but not having that same pace set up. So I threw him out of here based on the just just lately this year how he's run. I know he's been he's been coming each time and he's been making up a lot of ground, but he's just been so far back. And I don't know, I don't know uh, what the trainer, I don't know what uh, Kelly Rubley's thinking putting him in here, but I mean, I feel like he's not the same horse that he was last year. If if, If this was last year's form, then I would definitely have to use him, but not so anymore, I don't think. Um... But yeah, uh, I think the six horse is probably out of it. He's an MTO, and it's not supposed to rain. The seven horse just doesn't belong. He's coming from $5,000 races at Finger Lakes. I don't think that... I don't think that Chris Englehart is in his right mind putting him in here. And then the eight horse... The eight horse I threw out based on the merit that, once again, I feel like it's a sprinter that they're trying to make into a miler. I think Christoph Clement does a great job with these kind, but I do not like to. I don't like to see Junior on the horse instead of. Uh, I mean, I rad rode the horse for the first three times, and then Javier, and then Manny Franco, and now all of a sudden we're getting another rider change. It just seems like a bit much for me. I feel like the horse isn't as good as they maybe think he is. But yeah, but uh, then the number nine horse in here, he's taking the blinkers off today for Thomas Bush. I just feel like he's a bit cheap, and I feel like they've kind of beat his head against the wall against this condition, and it's about time for them to drop him in for a tag. I don't think he belongs. And then the 10 is also an MTO, and then we get to the two the two horses in the race that I think will probably be contesting the finish, and the number 11, Microsound, micro, Microsecond, and the number 12, Stanhope. Now, the number 11... He broke his maiden first time on turf, and I know that doesn't make sense him being by micromanage of a Thunder Gulch mare, but I mean, apparently he likes it. And then last time out, he ran at this level, had to lead the whole way, barely backed up at the end at Saratoga, and he lost to Clickatat, who has actually been running really, really well lately. So I feel like he might be the winner of the race just off of that performance. But I'm also not so sure because if you look at the number 12 horse, Stanhope, in here, he's getting Lasix for the first time today, and Brad Cox's first time Lasix is just absolutely deadly. He wins at a 41% clip when he does that, and now he gets his main man on the horse, gets Louis Size on it, who's 43% on the meet at Belmont Park with Brad Cox. I mean, this horse, I know he didn't run that well this year in his only start, but if you look back to last year when Chug had him up in New York, 
He did break his maiden in maiden special at Aqueduct, going this distance, won by two lengths. And he did all this with no Lasix. It just seems like maybe this year so far, since he turned three, he maybe bled in his last start. And I don't, I honestly don't know what happened. But I know that he is working really, really well off that race. And I feel like Brad putting the, giving them Lasix today, getting loose eyes on the horse, has him right. So, them are my four numbers in there. The 1, the 4, the 11, and the 12 in the first leg of the late pick four. And now we're going to move on to leg number 2, which is the 8th at Belmont Park. And it is an allowance race. Non-winners of one level, going a mile and the 16th on the dirt. And in here, I spread. I know I went four deep in leg one, but I spread a little more deep in this in this leg here as well. I went uh, with five horses. I went with the two, the three, the four, the seven, and the eight. And the one on the ticket, I thought about using him, but I remember the day that he fell off the horse, that Daniel Santana fell off, fell off this horse against Governor Morris at Tampa. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but... I just, I wasn't impressed with this horse first out. I wasn't impressed with him last out. I think that him being by end of mischief at a Bernardini mare, I, I get them trying to stretch him out to two turns, but I really just don't feel like he he belongs going two turns. I think he's best going about six or seven, maybe six and a half. I just don't think that they're making a very smart move with him in here. Now, the two is a different story. The two, I feel like you have to leave in Heirloom Kitten, He's run, I know he broke his maiden for a maiden 20, and that's fine, but he's run three really great races in the last three, and, I mean, he's moved up from a maiden 20 level to the starter level to Open Allowance Company last time, and he really ran well against Open Allowance Company last time. I mean, going a mile and eighth on the dirt at Saratoga, that's no small feat to run third, only get beat three quarters of a length in the end. I mean, he was right there, and I think he has every right to run great again today, and, you know, Belmont Park is speed favoring, so he should he should like it against this lot. And then I had to use the three. I think everybody would. Everybody does. I mean, Neil Drysdale shipping in from California. I mean, you got to think to yourself, what is he doing here? What's the, what's the move here he's trying to make? But, you know, him and Rosario are 75% at Belmont Park together over the last two years. And they're 46% from a 13 starter sample size in the last two years in general so you know just the fact that he's taking the chance and bringing it to New York does scare me a little bit but what what is more interesting than anything about this horse and I could understand why some people would not want to use him is the fact that the only two times on his form here that he ran a mile he didn't they're probably his two worst starts on his on 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 paper because, I mean, when they shortened him up third out at Del Mar, I mean, that's when he broke his maiden, and he loved it going five, uh, going six and a half. And on debut, I mean, that that's arguable that, I mean, he was bumped and didn't have a very good trip, you know. But the other two starts going a mile. I mean, he was angled five wide last time. And, I mean, you could, you could make excuses for those starts, which is what I did. I mean, last time you could just say that he was angled five wide. It was his first time against winners. He has merit. He has excuses there on the merit that it was his first time against winners. I mean, before that, whenever he went a mile, it was his first time going a route of ground. He pulled. He was five wide at the half pole. I mean, there is there is excuses there, but you know, I I just don't feel like I could be I could feel comfortable playing the late pick four and leaving him out 
with the great works he's been showing up at Belmont going six furlongs, which you don't see that often in all, in all honesty, and the fact that Rosario's riding it for Neil Drysdale. And then the next horse I was going to use in here was going to be the four, Forza Oro. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, why are you using this horse? It's a spice town out of a hard spun mare that's trying to go route of ground, and he's a three-year-old, hasn't run since he was two. Well, I don't know what happened in the Renzen last time, but he very clearly, very clearly something went very wrong. And, you know, I honestly, I trust Bill Mott for Don Alberto quite a bit. I, I feel like Bill Mott wouldn't be bringing the, excuse me, he wouldn't be bringing the horse back at all if, uh, if the horse wasn't right. And, you know, Junior Alvarado's sticking back with it, even though he's been off since December. I feel like he's going to run well today. I don't know if he's going to win or not, but I have a very strong, There's, a, I feel like there's a very strong possibility, considering this is where the horse broke his maiden, that he does like Belmont Park. He very well might be coming back guns a-blazing and ready to, ready to win first off that layoff. The number five horse I didn't use. I feel like they, the Noda brothers, the Noda brothers there, they've been, they've been a little bit ignorant putting him in the Jim Dandy and... I really don't know what they're thinking with this horse. I mean, he had just broke a maiden. He just broke his maiden in a maiden special, and he only broke it by a neck. And now all of a sudden they put him in a group two. I still don't think he belongs even in this field. I don't think the horse is all that. I mean, even even against a horse like the number four horse, who has been off since December and hasn't even run as a three-year-old, I feel like the number five doesn't belong. Um, the number six horse I didn't use. I just feel like he's a bit cheap. I know this is Belmont as well, but I feel like uh, the other Belmont horse is a little bit well, a little bit better meant than this horse. I did use the seven and the eight though. The number seven horse I had to use. Just Horatio De Paz is very deadly. You know he's a very very good trainer, and I definitely like Franco going around ground on the dirt. I think he's a very good jockey when it comes to stuff like that, you know. And if you throw out this horse's first start, he hasn't really done much wrong since. I mean, even last time he was six wide at the eighth pole at Saratoga, which is not a great spot to be in. And he also had to close from last on a pace that was honestly not that not that fast. It wasn't slow, but it wasn't that fast going the I mean with the early quarter being twenty-three seconds. I mean it went it they quickened up in the final part, but that's also when he had to quicken up in that part of the race, so you know, I feel like it was a little bit tougher for him in there. That's why he run fourth. I don't feel like that's going to be the scenario today. And then I also used the number eight horse. Um, last time out, he was on a muddy track. I don't think that race was all that formful. So if you throw that out, he broke his maiden at Monmouth really nicely. Before that, that turf race doesn't, doesn't even complement his form at all. Just toss that out. And before that, he did have those four starts at the beginning of his career. And I mean that was all at two, and I've seen a lot, I've seen quite a few into mischiefs actually, that really are not that great as at two. They're really not that great at all, and then they just progress at three. But another point that I'd like to mention as well is that whenever James Toner put the blinkers on this horse after he turned three, he really excelled and showed how all that talent that he truly had in his last two. The time before that on turf, like I said, I just I just feel like it didn't belong. I mean, he's out of the quite American mare, so he does have some merit to run on the turf, but not a whole lot. 
Um, but yeah, but those are my five horses in here. The two, the three, the four, the seven, and the eight. And the next race we're going to have a look at is the ninth at Belmont Park. It is a $62,000 allowance race for fillies and mares. Nomers two level going a mile and an eighth on the inner turf course. And in here, I thought, I mean, this is a quite a, quite a small field here. It's a six-horse field. I thought I got it down to two horses, and I think that them were the two most dominant horses in the race, to be fair. Um, I got it down to the number three and the number six. Um, the number one and the two, I just thought were cheap in here. Didn't think they belonged. The three, I mean, come on. A anybody who's ever looked at a racing form ever would know that you got to use a horse like this, especially in a multi-race wager. Um, this horse hasn't done much wrong in any of her any any of her starts, and they've shipped her everywhere. Christoph Clement has. He's shipped her from Tampa to Belmont to Aqueduct to Kentucky Downs, and now back to Belmont. I mean, she's had a she's definitely had a go and has seen seen it all and danced a bunch of different dances. But this this filly here she she definitely should run well today with rosario riding her back again she really ran that what she really ran quite 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 well at kentucky downs even though she got beat and she was the favorite i feel like now this is second up off that layoff from december she has every right to really run well um the four horse is another michael dub matiquette horse for chad brown that they bought and brought over from france Another one of them that I feel like they maybe shouldn't have bought in the first place. I mean, it didn't run that well at Monmouth. ran okay. But I feel like, I mean, to, to her credit, she ran somewhat okay over in France. But she, wa she was running really, really well over in France at some of the cheaper tracks at Clairefontaine and at Mason's Lafayette and at Cop Yang. And it, th those tracks over there, they're just not, they're not the best grade. And I think that shows, because, I mean, when she comes over here, she can't even beat the best grade at Mammoth. So, I mean, how's she going to beat those horses at Saratoga or, or at Belmont off of that, you know? And then the number five horse, number five has broke me several times. I don't think I'm going to go back to the well again. She absolutely hates to win Capta Cruz. And I, I just, I honestly don't know what Todd Pletcher's going to do with her here. She, I mean, she loves to run second. She loves to really not fight. I will say one thing to her credit, though. At least Johnny V is on her. I feel like he always is going to get the best response out of this filly more than anybody else. But the only other horse I used in the race was the number six horse. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name because I know I'm going to butcher it awfully. And, uh, but this horse here with Jose Ortiz with, for Chad Brown and Kalarevich, um, she is has she is off the layoff since March at Gulfstream, and I'm not a humongous fan of Chad Brown off the layoff. But let me tell you something: with Jose on her, and her works aren't great, but they're good enough. It looks to me like they're trying to bring this filly back and bring her back in a big way, and they're bringing her back, especially at somewhere where I feel like she could win, especially in a spot where she could win. This race here is not really all that tough. I feel like if the number three horse doesn't show up today, then this filly here will pick up the pieces. And yeah, that'll be about it for race number nine. And then the last that we have in the late pick four is race number 10. It's a $30,000 claimer, non-wears two level, going six furlongs on the Widener turf course. And in here to finish up my late pick four, I went three deep. I went with the one, the three, and the six. And, alright, let's get into it here. The number three horse, I mean, 
I can understand why Jeremiah Engerhart is giving up at this point and dropping the horse in for a 30 tag. I mean, I hate the fact that you're going from state bred races into open company, but it is in open company against a way lesser grade than what she's been facing. And based on her, based off her buyer speed figures, you know, she has every right to run really, really well in here. I really love her record over Belmont Park being three starts with a second and a third. She's been there. She does like Belmont Park. I love Jose Ortiz being on the horse. There's not much about this four-year-old filly here or four-year-old colt here that I do not like. You know, I mean, horses like the number four horse, Quintarali, and the number two horse in here don't really, they don't really belong in here. Just like the, the number two had to go to Mama to break his maiden, and the number four, he's just, they're just cheaper horses, you know? And that goes for the same for the five, and uh, the next horse I have in here uh, is the number six horse, What's to Blame? Now, I will grant it that he is a bit of a cheaper horse than what's in here, but... On another note, he has been running five furlongs for his last five starts, actually six starts, and the race before that was going this distance, going six furlongs over Aqueduct, and it's the last race that he won. I feel like he's been begging, begging, begging to get that extra furlong at the end of the race to run horses down. He hasn't been getting it, and he's finally getting it today. I think he has every right to win today at six to one morning line. And then I did not use the number seven horse based on the merit that I don't really see him sprinting. And I also do not really like Jonathan Thomas with a horse like this right here, especially with him having all the layoff lines that he does. I mean, he might run okay today, but I definitely don't like him or Augustine. I don't like George Strawbridge whenever he drops horses down like this. It usually shows a sign of them just plum giving up and them wanting to move him down the line. Um, I don't think much of the 8 or the 9 or the 10. And then the last horse in here that I have is the number 1 horse, who once again is very, very cheap. He was running at the 12-5 level down at Gulfstream Park in July. But to be, to be fair, going 6 furlongs up here, this horse has had experience doing that. He ran 3rd up at Aqueduct whenever he did run 6 furlongs. And down at Gulfstream, going 2 turns, going 7.5, he actually has not run that bad. But... You know, I mean, I threw him in here because it looks like one of those horses that Irad would show up on for Falcone, and just you would think to yourself, why would why would you even use him? He's cheap, but that's why. And let me tell you something: those Gulfstream Park horses, they though they may be a little bit cheaper, they show a lot of grit and a lot of toughness, and I think that he would definitely be worth using in here, especially at five to two, you know? I mean, that's decent value. It isn't terrible value on a horse like this, and his buyers are right here with this lot. You know, I, I feel like you got to use him and throw him into the late pick four. Some people would agree with me. Some people would disagree with me. I mean, use your own, use your best judgment on that, but, you know, with Falcone and Irad being the percentages that they are together, and, you know, Irad, especially since he came off of the COVID leave, I feel like he's going to come back with a vengeance. I feel like he's going to come back and just absolutely tear through the competition and win four, five, or six here in a couple of days. So I, I had to leave him in, and that will throw my ticket to be four horses by five, by two, by three. And for a 50-cent ticket, that would throw me at $60. If you would like to adjust it, adjust it, and try to maybe play it for cheaper, play it for more money, if you feel comfortable. But yeah, but that is my take on the Belmont Park Late Pick 4 and the races in general. 
on Friday, October the 9th, and we will be going to a break here, and then we will get right back into it with the Keeneland card, back here on the Everyday Handicapper. Welcome back, everybody. Back from the break here on this here, the debut episode of the Everyday Handicapper. I am, of course, Trevor, and yeah, all right, so we covered Belmont Park in the first part of the segment, and now we're going to dig into Keeneland. Now, not to sound kind of like the same thing, but not to sound like when I handicapped Belmont earlier, but the first part of the Keeneland card today, it kind of sucked. <laughs> Let's be honest. It was kind of on the cheap side. I didn't care much for it, but you know, the as I started to get into the later the latter part of the card, you know, it started to get better and better and better. And I put together a late pick five ticket today that I really like. I like the last five races on the card of Keeneland. I think they're all good betting races. So, you know, even if you don't play the pick five, you know, I think that it would, it's a great betting opportunity for just about anybody, regardless of what you're playing. But um, yeah, let's dig into it. So the races that I did end up having picks for was the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, and the 10th. And I'm gonna go through them in order here of late pick five. And in the first leg of it, which would be race number six, I used the number one, two, five, six, seven, and eight. That's six horses. And the first leg of it is a maiden special going a mile and 16th on the Keeneland turf course. And uh, the first horse I threw in here was the number one telephone talker. And I threw him in just because, you know, Maker and Ramsey and Gaffleyon are dangerous over Keeneland. This horse didn't run that bad at Kentucky Downs last time, you know. He was the favorite with Irad on him. He almost won. And now he's second up off of the layoff since February. He has every right to improve and really run well today. Um, the other horse I used, because uh, obviously I used quite a few, the second horse I used in here was the number two horse, Captain my maestri i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right i'm probably butchering it but that's what i'm gonna call him captain maestri um is a four-year-old gelding by tappet out of a gone westmare that gainsway bred lothenbach bought it for four hundred thousand dollars you know on debut they wanted to get it going a mile on turf it got rained off at churchill still they ran it anyway just to get it get it some uh, you know just a little bit of experience and he was on the in the four paths at the eighth pole, and he was on the wrong lead, and he still just run around the track, ran third of six with Lannery on him. Now he's getting on the turf at Keeneland, getting two turns, and Lannery's on the re-ride. He has every right to improve in here. I don't much like his pedigree for the turf, but I think that it just might be what he's best on in general. So I guess we're gonna see. But uh, moving on, the number three horse I didn't use, and it kills me not to use a Phipps horse, but, you know, Javier has come to Keeneland on Friday, and he's not riding for Shug and the Phipps, which, which seem awful odd to me, and they're booking Flo instead, and, 
The horse ran okay enough up at Saratoga, but being by Spice Town out of Medalla de Oromare, I don't think that he has turf breeding a whole lot, and I think he belongs right back what he was doing, going six on the dirt at Belmont Park, instead of them shipping him down here to Keeneland and running him two turns on the turf, which, once again, it just, no part of it makes sense to me. And then I didn't use the four. I know he's getting uh, blinkers on today. I just don't know what Ian Wilkes is doing. I think they're kind of just beating this poor boy's head against the wall. He cl very clearly needs to be dropped in for a tag. But uh, moving on, the third horse he used was the number five horse, Winter's Back, for Pletcher and Ricardo Santana. Now, Irad was on, on debut up at Saratoga. Obviously, he isn't in town. But Santana is a very, very good turf rider. I have loads of uh, confidence in him. And they paid quite a bit of money for this uh, Son of Summer Front at the Keeneland September sale. They paid $105,000 for him. Summer Front hasn't done that hot, but he's done all right. And, you know, it's Pletcher second up. He's working good enough over Saratoga, the horse is. That debut race was okay, where he just he tracked in the two-path and then weakened with Irad. He ran around the track, just ran fourth, got beat six lengths. You know, I mean, it was a slow enough pace up top. You, you could clearly see that he needed the experience. And I think he ran good enough to run well in here second up and improve with that experience. Um, the third horse I used was the number six horse trade deadline for Klarovich, Chad Brown, and Javier, who's coming into town. Uh, this horse hasn't run since April of 2019, so a long layoff there. But, uh... In his two starts that he did run in, he didn't run that bad. His latest one in April, he only got beat a neck over this track at Keeneland. And the one before that, I mean, you could clearly see that he just went to the lead and he needed the experience. But now, hopefully at four, I don't know what problems this horse had that made them say, okay, well, let's give him, give him all this time off. But, you know, clearly, whatever it is, they gelded him and they fixed him, whatever, whatever the problem was. And now they're bringing it back at Keeneland. They had him, his latest work over Keeneland, 70 out of 104 in 49 and 2, four furlongs. It wasn't that bad, and I love to see Javier picking up the mount. Him and Chad Brown over Keeneland are 53% from 19, uh, 19 starter sample size over the last two years. I mean, they're, they're very, very, very good today. Good together there and very good in here today. And I would just, I would be... I would be remiss if I told anybody to throw him out today. Um, then the next horse I have in here is the number seven horse, Gear Jockey. Gear Jockey for Calumet and uh, Rusty Arnold. They're booking Julian in here today. Now, the only reason I threw this horse in is because he did run really, really well in the Breeders' Cup. And that was against Structure and Billy Bats, and he ran third. Before that, he ran third in a Bourbon last year, ran second in a Maiden Special. Now, granted, he is, once again, that's what this is, it's a Maiden, but he has run third in, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, and how he couldn't beat some of this bunch in here is beyond me, because he very clearly it was, or at least he was, he was a very good two-year-old. The question is now is, is he as good at three as he was at two, or is he better? Because he has been off since February, and I'm not a big Rusty Arnold fan in general, but at Keeneland for Calumet, and especially with Julian Leperu on him, I, I, you know, you got to throw him in. It's definitely a possibility that I can see. They love, love to win at Keeneland. And, yeah, I just, I couldn't feel comfortable leaving him out of in here. 
And then the only other horse in here that I used was the number eight, Carmichael, for St. George Farm. And this one here for Vicky Oliver. Vicky Oliver, much like Rusty Arnold, can't throw them out at Keeneland. They're deadly as you as it, as it comes. And I like this horse's one turf start, uh, two back at Churchill. And Bayronin was on him that day. He's on him again here on uh, Friday. Um, he hung. He lost place, but he was right there. He run a pretty, actually, pretty good race for an 11-horse field run third. You know, um, I think if he can repeat that effort, he definitely stands a placing shot. And, you know, over Keeneland with Vicky Oliver and Barano, he definitely stands a win chance in here. Because this race, to be to, to all of its credit, it's not that tough. It has a lot of horses like the 7 and the 6 who should be much better than the field, but they're coming off a layoff. So, are they really going to be that good? There's a lot of questions that are that are being left unanswered. So a horse like this right here could definitely pick up the pieces and beat this bunch if nobody shows up today. Um, but yep, that's it for that race. My numbers were the one, the two, the five, the six, the seven, and the eight. And then moving on to leg number two, which is the seventh race, which is a Phillies and Mares uh, $30,000 claimer, non-wears a two level, going seven on the dirt. And in here, I just went too deep. I used the two and the three. I kind of went the lazy man's way and used the two favorites. But it wasn't because I didn't handicap the race. It's quite simply because I feel like in this in this field, I mean, these this being a 30 claimer is a joke. These are terrible horses in here. The two horse in here, uh, it's a homebred for Dars, for uh, David Ross. I mean, they're dropping her in for a 30 tag. She had two really good dirt dirt races back at back in uh, back uh, on the East Coast at two at Colonial and at Mammoth. Um, her latest work over Keelan's a bullet work. I really don't get why they're dropping her in for a thirty tag. I mean, perhaps they're just doing it off of those two uh, those last two races that were just terrible and daring somebody to take her for thirty. I could see a scenario where uh, Larimer in here the two. I could see a scenario where she just absolutely romps and there's no competition but you know i mean if she, if if the reason they're dropping her in for the 30 tag is that she just hasn't progressed it three like she should have then you know she could very easily just not run well in here at all i could see her running last to be honest uh it's just one of those scenarios you know and then uh the other horse i have in here is the number three horse behind the couch i love behind the couch she's one of my one of my uh far back selections i bet her about a year or two ago uh in march whenever she broke her maiden she had always tries pretty hard you know but now this is a different scenario uh i mean jeremiah Engelhart doesn't have her anymore uh robert medina hat does so i mean i did not like her her last race there over churchill the at this level i mean it was okay she ran around the track run third out of five horses I mean, she run good enough and run a good enough buyer to beat some of these in here because I'll be honest, quite a few of these in here do not belong at all. Like, for instance, the number six horse, she is by blame out of a distorted humor mare. And I know she broke her maiden on the dirt in a maiden special, but it was going a mile. I just, I feel like a lot of these in here are very, are so much slower than these two that it just doesn't even really compare so I feel like if the two doesn't show up then the three will at least give you a run for your money and a good chance to get by in this leg because there isn't much else in it she should she should kind of just be there on by default 
if the two doesn't show up today. But yeah, but those are the two that I have in there. And then we move on to race number eight, which is the third leg. It's an optional claiming $80,000 non-winners of three level going seven furlongs on the dirt. And in here, this race right here is actually packed full of talent, or at least, or they were has-beens. They have, they have had quite a bit of talent. They don't have that so much anymore. But I feel like, especially for the horse that I like in here, because this is where my single is going to come in the late pick five, uh, the number four horse looking at bikinis. I feel like Chad Brown knows what he's doing. He had him working good over Saratoga. He shipped him into Churchill, worked him three good works over Churchill, and now he's going to ship him into Keeneland to run. I feel like this is who Javier is, at least why this is, this is who he's here for on Friday. This is why he's in town. This is why he's he's riding here on Friday instead of not just riding in Belmont on Friday and then coming down riding Saturday. You know, this is the horse that he's here for on Friday. This horse has run some bang up races, you know, hasn't really done much wrong. I mean, he didn't belong in the Travers. I think that's obvious. I don't think he belonged in the Curlin. I think he just got tired at the end. Uh, he ran the Cigar Mile, his last last appearance against Maximum Security and True Timber, who crushed him, and they should have, because nobody in here is anywhere near that level. But if you look at the other races that he's run, in the two allowance races, he won by four lengths, and that was, surprise, surprise, here at Keeneland with Javier at 70 cents to the dollar. So if he runs back to that race, then I think he just absolutely crushes this field. The only competition I could even see anywhere near him would be maybe the set, uh, the uh, number six horse, Lasting Legacy, for Gary Mary West. I didn't like him quite simply because they do have him in for the $80,000 tag, but I mean, it's not like too many people are going to take him for that anyway, to be honest. And they're probably doing it for the uh, the two pounds in weight that he gets granted if he's if he's in for the tag. Um, but I don't like this horse just in general. He couldn't win a Lone Star two back. And, you know, I just, I feel like the number four horse should, should crush him if he's right. The only problem with this single is if Chad Brown has brought him back and he is not anywhere near 100%. But based on his works, especially his latest work over Churchill, I have no reason to believe that he isn't. I think that, once again, Javier Castellano and Chad Brown over Keeneland are absolutely deadly. I think that this is this is definitely, they mean to win this race here today as a prep for something further down the road. Now, what that prep would uh, be for, I don't really know, but I feel like they mean very well with him in, uh, very well with him in here today. Um, nobody else in here really scares me all that much. I mean, a couple of these horses in here can run a little bit, maybe the 9, Strike That, and the 10, Grey Magician. Um, I saw that Hog Creek Hustle was in here. He's the number two horse. Hog Creek Hustle has, he just loves to run second and third. He's, so, he, he's always just so far back. I just don't know over Keeneland if Keeneland's his kind of track or not, even going seven furlongs, because that is his preferred distance. But, you know, I just, I feel like anybody in here is going to be very hard pressed to beat the four if he's right. And that's why I have him on top and as my key in the late pick five. Um, but yeah, but moving on, the ninth race on the card, which is the fourth leg, it is the Franklin County Grade 2, and it is going five and a half on the turf, and in here, I feel like we're just going to see a repeat of what happened in the Lady Sprint at Kentucky Downs. 
got Stormy's in here. She is the favorite. Now, I'm not going to single her in here today. Based on the merit that her one start over Keeneland, she did lose. But I, I that last race at Kentucky Downs, that was a weird day, and that track was very odd, and it was raining during the middle of the race. It just it wasn't for me. And today, this is definitely not going 6.5, which 6.5 over Kentucky Downs should be more like a mile in general. But today, this is going 5.5 over Keeneland, which is tighter turns. It's not that big, swooping, long stretch like at Kentucky Downs that... I mean, it's completely different setup. I just don't feel like this is her. This is her chance in here. This is this. She she will not have the best chance to win the race in here from the ten hole. Um, I feel like the number nine horse, Stillwater Cove, stands a very very good chance to her inside there uh, to beat her. She loves Keeneland. Wesley Ward is always dangerous up here. I really like the jockey they got on her, that Gerardo uh, Gerardo Corrales. He does really really well. Uh, with Wesley Ward, he does. He's done really well lately in general. You know, him, him, and Wesley Ward over Keeneland are forty percent from a uh, ten uh, ten horse sample size. Um, the only other horses in here I could see maybe even getting close to them two would be the number seven horse winning Envelope, the horse that ran second to Got Stormy last time. Yeah, she was no match at Kentucky Downs, but this also once again is not Kentucky Downs. She's had two starts over Keeneland and has won one, but granted, when she won, it was going a mile. Um, she actually did not run that bad up at uh, up at uh, Churchill Downs here, about three back, and she ran second, and it was at this distance, and I feel like that race is more comparable with this field in here than the Kentucky Downs race, which is why I had to throw her in, you know? And then the only other horse in here that I used was the number two horse in Domestic. I bet her in there against Scott Stormy. I thought she'd run a little better than she did. She didn't. But, you know, I feel like this field, once again, I've said it over and over again, that Keeneland is a, especially the Keeneland turf course, is has way tighter turns than Kentucky Downs. is nowhere near the same track. And this filly in specific will will get back to something that she loves. She loved it at Ellis Park, and honestly, she didn't run that bad in the Monrovia out at Santa Anita when she when Jeff Mullins had her. And if you look in there and you see who beat her, I mean, she ran against Jolie Olympica, Alexandra, and uh, Steal the Diamonds. You know, I mean, horses like those out there, you know, are far and above far and above group two level them are grade one horses especially at this level i mean i know that uh alexandra got hurt Jolie olympica is nowhere to be seen you know that's why that filly ran fourth in there in that seven horse field that's also why she was 32 to one but that those horses are much better than anybody that's in here either so if she can run back to ellis park race the kentucky downs uh preview for the lady sprint then she should run very, very well in here and probably be in the top three. But I really think she stands a good chance at winning it from the two hole. You know, I mean, she she has every right to to turn the tables on Got Stormy in here today. But yeah, but I feel I feel like you got to use Got Stormy on the merit that she might just outclass everybody in here. But I also feel like I'm gonna take the chance and try to beat her today. But uh, that's just my opinion. If a lot of people are going to single her today, and I feel like the value in the pick five is going to be if you can get her beat, then a lot of that money that's in the pick five, a lot of those people that just keyed her and said, oh, well, she's a free square, a lot of that money is just going to be dead. 
you know? And it's going to be easy, easy money to pick up if you have the winner in here, you know? And that's why I, I thought I used the three most, uh, the three most logical contenders in here to beat her. Um, other than that, I have one more race left. It's the 10th race at Keeneland. It's a Phillies and Mares allowance race. Now I'm wearing the two level, going six on the dirt. In here, I went three deep. I thought it was a pretty simple race, to be honest. Um, I went with the six, the seven, and the nine. The number six horse in here for Chad Brown, Gaffleon, E5. It, she's a $375,000 into mischief. She ran really well last out at Churchill when she runs second. You know, she has every right to improve in here again today and win. Uh, today being third off the layoff since March, since COVID hit up in New York. Um, the other horse I used in here was the number seven horse, Lady Rocket. This is a horse, she broke her maiden on, on debut at Saratoga for Brad Cox. She was a $420,000 two-year-old by Tail the Cat. You know, I mean, he has her, his main man, he has flow on her. She stumbled and she still won by neck on debut. You know, she's just, she's going to be very, very hard to beat in here. Even though she is facing winners for the first time, and she's going to have to face a horse like the Six, who does have experience at this level, I feel like if she's right, she might just blow the doors off of them. But granted, to, to the credit of the Six against her, the number seven horse did kind of have it set up for her last time in front. Even when she stumbled, they went in 21-2, and 44-3 for the half, 109 and one for three quarters and you know in that final half of furlong that's why she got up on the very end because those horses were just dead tired you know i mean and they had and they were supposed to be going that fast up at saratoga but you know the question being that is is she going to get that same kind of setup in here at keeneland today or are they going to try something different because you know last time she stumbled out of the gate today if she breaks sharp she might be on the front so We'd ha we'll have to see if she might get a bit tired at the end of the race. And now, that's the only reason that I didn't key her in the late pick five, mainly because of that and because, once again, there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered. You gotta, you, she's gonna have to improve again off that, off that performance. Even though it was an impressive win, she will have to improve, especially to beat a horse like the third horse that I have in here, the number nine horse, Ocean Breeze. Ocean Breeze runs second to uh, Monday Call in the Audubon Oaks. She runs uh, third in the Iowa Oaks. She's she's a uh, not that bad of a horse. She's one of those horses where it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter what company you run her in against. She's gonna be right there. But I feel like they're getting her back to her best distance, going six and a half on the dirt in here today. Um, I don't know what happened to her last time when she ran third to uh, the number six horse. But I feel like she should improve off of that performance in here today. She's getting to Keeneland today for uh, Gary Mary West, Wayne Catalano, and Julian getting on her. Uh, nothing about the, non number, the number nine horse Ocean Breeze that I don't like. Um, but yeah, but if I had to go, uh, if I had to have a straight trifecta in here, I would like it to go six, seven, nine, to be honest, because I think that today's the day for the number six horse, uh, Palomita. I just, I'd feel like it's time. I feel like the seven horse has questions to answer, but if she does answer them, then she'll knock it out of the park. But yeah, but those are my three numbers in here, the six, the seven, and the nine. And that is the last race at Keeneland here, and that will wrap up my ticket. Just to quick recap here, my ticket will be the will be six horses in leg one, which is also race number six. 
It's the 1, the 2, the 5, 6, 7, and 8. In leg number 2, which is race number 7, it is the 2 and the 3. In leg number 3, which is race number 8, it is the number 4 horse. And that is looking at bikinis. That is my key. And then the fourth leg, I have the 2, the 7, the 9, and the 10. And then as I just stated in the last leg, the fifth leg, I have the 6, the 7, and the 9. And that will bring my ticket out to $72 for a 50 cent wager. I really like it, you know. I mean, if anybody else, uh, if you'd like to change it around, I could understand a lot of people if they wanted to use some more horses in the Looking at Bikinis race and Key got Stormy instead. That would make perfect sense to me as well, you know. I mean, it, it really depends on where you think that your value is on the Key and where your value is spreading. That's where I think it is. Other people might have different opinions. You know, play accordingly. But anyway, but yes, that will do it for this segment here at Keeneland. We're going to go to a quick break here, and then we are going to get into the third and final segment of this episode of the Everyday Handicapper, where we look at Santa Anita. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be back on the Everyday Handicapper. Welcome back to the third part of the Everyday Handicapper episode number one. It is our debut episode and we're going to finish it up here with the handicapping from Santa Anita Park. And not to, once again, sound like the other two tracks, like Keeneland, like Belmont, but the early part of the Santa Anita card is fairly cheap. And as so, we will be looking at the late pick four, starting in race number six, which is a maiden special weight going a mile and an eighth on the turf course. And I guess we'll dig right in here to it. And the four horses, or I'm sorry, excuse me, five horses that we will be using in leg number one will be the two, the three, the six, the seven, and the nine. And the first horse we have in here is the number two horse, Warpath, for Bob Baffert and Abel Cedillo. And as you can guess by the name, it is a son of Warfront. And this horse, the only thing that concerns me about him today is that Flavian's not on the horse. Flavian Pride has rode the horse in his last two starts, had two seconds, and now all of a sudden we see the change to Cedillo. Now, that may be due to Bob Baffert being riding uh, Abel Cedillo a whole lot more than he was. But I tend to think that Flavin Pratt gets his pick in California, especially in mile and eighth races on the turf. And he ends up in here on another horse that I use, the number six horse, Far Frassard. That's a that's a tongue twister there. If you could pronounce that, then good for you. But he is from Europe. He is a son of Casamento out of a Sir Percy mare. He is completely bred for the turf. Before they brought him over here, he had three good starts over in Europe at Beverly and Carlisle. He had two seconds at Beverly in two allowance races. He was a handicapper over there. And uh, now over here, they've been running him in uh, maiden events. And more specifically, I don't know if he likes San Anita that much, but he hasn't run all that well. He kind of just runs around the track and makes up a little bit of ground, but doesn't do a whole lot. I threw him in here just on the sake that nobody else in here is all that either. Um, another horse I used in here was the horse who is outside, the number seven horse, 
KPD Day, and he is a son of Normandy Invasion, who I don't usually consider to be turf stallion, but I mean, for this for this purpose here, I could understand it. He is a New York bred, which is surprising. You don't see many New York breds out in California. Um, the trainer Alfredo Marquez, he claimed the horse off of Jeff Mullins for fifty thousand dollars two back and ran him back in a main special last out up at Golden Gate where he primarily trains and now he's going to take the blinkers off here today and put Victor Espinosa on a lot of pluses going on for this horse here he has a lot of reasons just to be there Um, my only concern is that his buyer did drop a little bit when he took him up to Golden Gate but that also might just be that it was at Golden Gate Fields and the race was run a little bit slower than maybe it should have because the class of horses there um, another horse I have in here is the number nine horse, who is the eight to five morning line favorite, Camaraderie, and he is a son of Camacho out of the Shemardal mare. He's an Irish bred horse. He ran well at Dundalk on debut with Ronan Whelan. Uh, he was favored on that. He was one of the one of the better bet horses on that uh, in that race. He had a time form rating of 72 out of that race. He actually was a very promising looking horse over there. Since Hironis and John Sadler bought him and brought him over here, had two starts at Delmar. First up, he went third. He got beat two lengths. He just flattened out, which he has every right to. Second up, however, he should have won won that race. And he ran second, got beat a neck. He was very he was right there. But I feel like he should have ran a little bit better than that. But to, to his credit, he was on top of a hot pace. They went 22-4 and four for the opening quarter, going a mile on the turf. And I don't know if the added distance will help. I feel like being a son of Camacho out of a Shamardal mare. Shamardal usually produces sprinters. Sprinters to about uh, maybe a seven to a mile is about their, their limit. And Camacho is about the same thing. So I don't know if this horse might be better going about six furlongs or five, five and a half, somewhere in that range might be where he's better at and he might be better sitting off of it and coming with a kick. Or maybe John Sadler should maybe try blinkers with him because this horse here, I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to win, but I think if the rest of these horses in here don't show up, that he is going to run a very good race and just might get the better of them on class alone. And I also extremely like his latest work going six furlongs at Santa Anita and 113 flat. And, you know, I mean, he's eight to five morning line for a reason. And I understand that. But I think that another horse in here, like the number three horse, Temple Secret. Yeah, he's 15 to one, but I think he stands just as good a chance to beat him as anybody else does. Temple Secret has Ricky Gonzalez on it. Ricky Gonzalez has been pretty done actually really greatly uh, really great lately you know he's he's just one of those jockeys out there that kind of is there when nobody else is you know on debut this horse went down the hill at San Nita but that was two years ago when he was a two-year-old since then we no longer have down the hill racing uh, he came back at three ran one time he ran second this kind of does concern me that this horse has some major major problems because he's moved down the class ladder every time he's run. He's run one time a year for the last three years. So how, uh, what really went wrong with this horse is my question. Or is Neil Drysdale just taking his time with something that, that is, uh, just really needs it, you know? 
but I like the fact that he was in a 50 maiden tag last time and that he stumbled badly. He steadied at the quarter pole with Ricky Gonzalez on him and he still ran around the track and was, and was fifth, but only got beat two and a quarter lengths. You know, I mean, he was right there, and now all of a sudden they're going to give him another chance against Maiden Special Weight Company, and they're going to get him out to that mile and eighth, which I think that Temple Cities, and especially a Temple City out of the Mr. Greeley Mayor, should absolutely love. They paid a bunch of money for him out at the Barrett sale, paid $130 for him, and I really like these coming off of bullet work. I think at 15 to 1, he's a very good value in this field, especially to beat something like the 9 that just seems like this distance might be a little bit too far. This right here being a horse that would love that extra 16th of a mile to get out to that mile and the eighth, you know? But anyway, but those are my five horses in this leg, and that is leg number one. Leg number two is the seventh race. It's a $40,000 claimer going six on the dirt, and in that leg, I have four horses. I have the one, the three, the two, and the seven. So the one, two, three, and seven in here. And the one should probably be the favorite. And I understand a lot of people would really, really like to maybe key the one. Or it, uh, Umberto has a lot of very good mounts in the late pick four today. And I could understand anybody wanting to key any of them. But I promise you, I have a very sneaky key in the finale that I will be getting to that looks a little bit better than maybe horses like this. This horse right here, I understand that he won for 40 last time. But that was over Delmar. And before then, you know, back at Churchill Downs, he was running in 20 tags, and he was not winning. So, I mean, I, I feel like he has every right to improve. I mean, he has improved. He's improved leaps and bounds since John Sadler took him. But I feel like this bunch in here might be just as good as him, and I feel like 3-1 to one also might be a little bit on the low side. And that's, that's comparing him to a horse maybe like the number two, self-taught. Now, Steve Knapp is really great first off the claim. He's 23% from a 35 starter sample size. And he claimed this horse for 25 last time. Now he's going to up him to 40. Now, one of the very few things about this horse I don't like is the fact that they took him, Bob Hess took him off of Al Stahl at Churchill Downs for, 20, for $20,000. Now, Al Stahl is not a trainer that I would ever recommend claiming off of, quite simply because he definitely knows the value of this horse, and if he felt like he had to drop him to a $20,000 tag to to win with him and to, to for that to be his level, then that usually means that he thought pretty pretty poorly of this horse. Which, I mean, that can, that can make sense simply because he got beat 21 lengths in the Sugar Bowl, he ran, got beat 14 lengths in an allowance race at Oakland. Granted, both of those were on a muddy track. And then the time after that, they ran him on turf, which his breeding does not suggest he would like. They didn't really give him much more of a chance other than the fact that he, uh, he won an allowance race after he broke his maiden. And then first out was at Parks. And, you know, I mean, horses, especially with a 5% trainer at Parks first out, aren't supposed to win. And he also didn't have Lasix. So... This horse really hadn't done much wrong going into that 20 tag, but still, Al Stahl knew that this, at that level, that the horse still might not win. That's why he dropped him to it, and that's why he couldn't even win for the $20,000 level. He ran second. But see, my, my main problem with a lot of this is that if Al Stahl wanted rid of the horse, then the horse can't be all that, and I just, I'm wondering if 
that $20,000 level can really step up to this 40k level. Now, like I said, granted, horses like the one aren't all that, that he was not too long ago running at that level at Churchill Downs, and he came out west and won a $40,000 uh, climber, but this is also not John Sadler. This is Stephen App, and before that, it was Bob Hess, so... I feel like he might be a step below, but nonetheless, if the one does not run his race today, I feel like he might step up and really show something. Now, moving on, a horse like the number three horse, who is my third horse I have in here, really, really scares me, and he scares me based on the fact of his record over Sandita. He's hit the board four out of the seven times he's ran over the track, you know, and the last time out in uh, on September the 25th, I don't really consider that to be one of one of those races in his record, quite simply because it was at a mile. Now, if you throw that mile race out, and then you throw out the two races at Del Mar, and you throw out the turf start, look at the last race that he ran over Sanita going this distance at pretty much at this level. It was just an optional 40 tag, and he ran second. Yeah, he got beat nine lengths, but he got beat nine lengths by the favorite who was supposed to do that. And he just, he threw a better buyer than I think the one or the two could throw at this level, at this track, at this distance. And other than that, this horse hasn't done a whole lot wrong. But I, I, one, one thing that does discourage me is obviously seeing the 10 pound bug on his back. But you know, I mean, sometimes in a race like this right here, that could be a, just as much as, uh, just as much of an advantage as it could be a hindrance. You know, I mean... At this level, I don't know if that'll if that 10 pounds will matter that much, but it, it'll matter enough, I think, to give this horse a definite winning chance. Um, the only other horse that I have in here is the number seven horse. I didn't think much of the four, the five, or the six. The seven horse, I mean, it's Jonathan Wong and Flavian Pratt for slam dunk. You know, you gotta throw horses like this right here in, on your ticket because if you don't, you're just you're definitely using money in the wrong spots. Then um, this horse here, Dripping Sauce. Uh, he ran a really great race last time out at Del Mar, and a great race the time before that. My problem with him is that he backs up. Now, uh, a couple back there at on the turf at, at Golden Gate, he had every right to back up. It was on turf, but uh, I feel like he should have ran a better race that day because he is by Vronsky. Granted, this is not on turf today. This is sprinting on the dirt, which he did win a starter at Pleasanton the race after that off of a long layoff. In June, and he had every he he ran absolutely great that day. But that was also at Pleasanton against horses mostly coming from Golden Gate that can't run on dirt that well. So now he's they brought him to Del Mar. Jonathan Wong did. He put Abel Cedillo on him twice, and he backed up both times. So the question is here is that at Santa Anita, can this horse repeat how good he really is? You know, can he repeat those 72 buyers? And if he can, can he hold on to the front while doing it? Now, I would I would venture to say, yes, he might be able to because Flavian is getting on him today. And, you know, he's at the right level. This is this is definitely his level. But what does bug me is that he got beat by the number one horse last time out, the John Sadler horse with Umberto. And I'm just wondering if we might be seeing a repeat of that just based on that merit but other than that I do like his works and I think that he has a definite winning chance if a couple of these in here don't show up today and he runs a race like one of those races there at Pleasanton where he sits second or third and then he just takes over in deep stretch but anyway but moving on that's the three that I uh, the four horses I have in that leg I have the one the two the three and the seven 
And then on to leg number three, which is the eighth race at San Anita. It's an optional $62,000 allowance race. Non-winners of two level, going a mile and an eighth on the turf. Now in here, I went three deep. Now this race, I have to say, is probably the toughest race of the sequence. Um, unless you're playing the late pick four, I do not recommend betting this race. Unless you have some type of angle that you're playing specifically. This race right here is very tough. I mean, there are a bunch of old gunners that all have every right to be in here and every right to run really well. Um, I used the three, the four, and the five. The number three horse with Umberto, um, he is in for the tag, but he has been in the tag for the pa in the past, and he actually ran well over it when he did. Um, he does like Santa Anita. He's been there six of ten times, you know. He's, he's had uh, two wins of those ten starts. And, you know, I feel like my only problem with him is that he seems like one of those horses that loves to just be right there and be coming at the very end, but he's not... He's not over the top. He's not that much better than his competition. He doesn't have that killer instinct, perhaps. But, you know, Peter Arton has done really well on this meet, and Umberto and him are just are, are unbelievable together when uh, Umberto rides for Peter Arton, and I think that he stands a definite winning chance today against this lot. And uh, against horses like the number four horse, North County Guy, you know, especially, he stands a definite chance. North County Guy, in his last race there in the Del Mar Handicap, I mean, come on, he runs seventh. He only got beat three lengths to Red King, United, and Originaire, who are all grade one horses. I mean, come on, let's, let's just face it. He didn't belong in there. He's not a grade one type horse. Before that, he was running in allowance races at both San Anita and Del Mar. He ran second in both those events. Before that, once again, he was in the San Gabriel. He didn't belong. Before that, he hasn't really done a whole lot wrong, honestly. Now, my only problem with him is he doesn't, once again, much like the horse above him, the number three horse, he does not like to win. But if there's anybody who can get him to win, it would be Mario. Mario loves this horse. He's done great with him. Uh, he's really great percentages with uh, Richie Baltus. Um, this horse here, I know I know his record over Sanita isn't great considering that he only has one win from 11 starts, but he has been there seven whole times out of those 11 starts hitting the board. So once again, if the three horse doesn't show up, I think that the four might just eke out a win and pick up the pieces. And if he doesn't, then I would look to my third horse, the number five horse, Border Town. For Richie Mandela and Flavian Pratt, they are training for Ramona Bass. You know, I mean, Ramona Bass and Richie Mandela have always had great horses. This is one of those, and they love to have these big warfront colts like this. Um, he, they just gelded him about a month ago, and his three works since they gelded him were not bad. You know, but my question is, is did that really do the trick to what they're looking for with this horse? Now, his record over Sanita is way better than anybody else's. It's impeccable. He's had five starts, and he's been there four of the five. He's hit the board, and two of those have been wins. And Flavian Pratt's riding him back for I don't even know how many times. I think it's the eighth time now. And, you know, I mean, as of lately, he hasn't been the greatest, but I think that he's a horse, especially off the gelding, that they can turn him around and make him into really what they're looking for, especially at this distance. Because if you look back in February, right before COVID hit, 
he broke his maiden going this distance, won by three lengths with Flavian Pratt when they first time the first time they put the blinkers on the horse. You know, I mean, you really have to question whether it was the equipment change that made him win because he did he did win the very next time out uh, off of the COVID layoff in May. He won right there at Santa Anita. And after that, he was against Blitzerig and the American. He didn't belong in there. They took him to Del Mar for the first two times. He's never been to Del Mar before. I honestly think if you read in between the lines and you throw out the group three, three back, and you throw out the two Del Mar races, because let's face it, Santa Anita is not Del Mar, that this horse really stands a chance of running a great race. And, you know, he really stands a chance with the other two that I had in here, the number four and the number three. The rest of these in here, you'll see a horse, the number six horse in here, uh, Untamed Domain. He used to be re a really, really big horse. I don't know what's happened to him. He's just went to the bad, you know. I think his, I think he honestly, I think he's about done with his career. I think he's tired. He's, I mean, he should be. He's made almost a half a million dollars. Um, nobody else near do I like a whole lot. I don't think much of the seven or the eight, and that's about all of them. So my three numbers in there are the three, four, and the five. And now we get into the ninth race, the last race on the card, and the last leg of my pick four. And in here, it is a $16,000 uh, $16, to $14,000 non-winners of two-level claiming event, going six and a half on the dirt. And this is, ironically, the most cheap race on the card, or at least in the late pick four, probably not on the card. But this race right here is where I have my single, and I will be singling the number nine horse, Etterbay Uncle. And... He is dropping down from the $32,000 of two level, and he ran fourth that day at Del Mar. And before that, he broke his maiden. He is a state bred. He is a California bred, but he broke his maiden in a state bred $50,000 event over Del Mar last year and threw down an 84 buyer speed figure when he did. They brought him back this year, laid him off almost a full year, and brought him back in July at Del Mar. Ron Ellis did, and they put him on turf, which I can understand him being by Lucky Pulp at Ava Bernstein Mare while you would, and uh, they protected him in that optional 20 event, and then last time out they said, all right, let's put him in for the tag and get him back to dirt, get him back to what he should like doing, and he just kind of ran around the track, ran lackluster. He angled out the 316th pole and was bumped at the 8th pole. I think that with Valdivia riding him back for the third time and Ron Ellis third off the layoff that, you know, I mean, he has every right to really run great in here. And I also, if you look way down at the bottom of his form there, the only time he's ran on San, at Santa Anita on the dirt course, uh, he ran a humongous race. It was his first start. He was fractious. He was off slowly. He was back at this very start of the race. He was back dead last, beating 12 lengths, and finished to run second, you know, only beating a length and three quarters out of it all, going six and a half. I think that he stands a very, very good chance in here of uh, of pulling it up, pulling off the upset here for, uh, for Ron Ellis at six to one. Um, Nobody else in here. I mean, I think I think the number seven horse is probably his greatest competition, and I don't think much of the seven. I think he likes to back up most at, uh, most times he runs. Uh, the number eight horse is just way cheaper than this bunch. There isn't much else in here that I like. I feel like he kind of the the race kind of falls in his lap. If Ron Ellis has the horse right, then he will run a very good race. But then again, if he doesn't, then to be honest, I don't know who who would pick up the pieces and win this race. This is a, I mean, it truly is. It's a $16,000 claiming event. 
you don't really know what what is going to happen in here but i think that if uh you're looking for a long shot maybe to use underneath in like a trifecta or something maybe i would use something like the number five horse next flight i think that him dropping down this is truly his level and he's ripping the blinkers back off because they definitely didn't help uh, help him last time when they put him on um I would do something like him maybe underneath, but, and that's mainly because he has such a great record over Santa Anita. You know, he's had two starts with a win and a third, and as I mentioned earlier, I don't mind Ricky Gonzalez that badly. I think he's a pretty good jockey. Um, other than that, that is all that I would have a look at in this field. Oh, and maybe also to add in there, the number 13 horse Convex. You know, I don't know what is going on with this horse. He either shows up or he doesn't. That's why, I mean, he broke his main by 11 lengths, and then the following race got beat 68 lengths. So, uh, Lord knows what is wrong with this horse. He definitely has some problems. But, you know, I mean, his breeding suggests that he has every right to have those problems, being that he's a Florida bred. And I don't really know why they have him in California running against open company. But they do. Eclipse does. So, uh... Yeah, but that will be my horse in the last. That will be my single, the number nine horse, Eater Bay Uncle. And that, just to quickly uh, recap my ticket, my ticket is five horses in leg number one, the two, the three, the six, seven, nine. In leg number two, which is race number seven, I have the one, two, three, seven. In leg number three, I have the three, four, five, and then in the final leg, the fourth, uh, the fourth leg of the late pick four, race number nine, I have the number nine horse singled, and that ticket will come out to a grand total of thirty dollars. Um, I really like the ticket. I can understand if people want to maybe single in leg one and single Umberto. Um, I think that horse, he's 8-5 to five more in line. I think he has every right to be another good single and then maybe go deeper in the, uh, the 16 claimer in the finale. I can understand that as well. That would be another way that I would play it if I was trying to play a different type of ticket. Um, other than that, that will be it for today on the Daily Handicapper. And I would like to wish everybody good luck on their plays for this Friday, October the 9th, and have a great day, and tune in tomorrow for episode number two.